message? Anybody? Just about 100% of us. Not everybody. Now, when you send a letter, you have a purpose for sending that letter, to let someone know you're thinking about them or to say thank you or uh, to maybe send an apology, let them know about a party that's coming up, you know, something along that line, or pass on a joke. Uh, here's a few that a friend barraged me on Facebook with a little bit ago. A jumper cable walks into a bar. The bartender says, I'll serve you, but don't start anything. An invisible man marries an invisible woman. The kids were nothing to look at either. <laughs> I wondered why the cricket ball kept getting bigger. Then it hit me. <laughs> and, and then she capped off uh, those with one last message. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that you may be, your joy may be full. Uh, there's always a reason to write a letter or send a message. And we're uh, beginning the uh, last couple of weeks uh, doing this study on the book of James. And James is actually a letter. It was written at, to a church. And he, like all of us, when we write a letter, had a purpose in writing his letter. And in this particular case, he was addressing some issues that he saw in the church, some things that were uh, troublesome to him. There was divisiveness. Christians were more concerned about gaining worldly wealth than helping the orphans and the poor. There was favoritism and social climbing. And, and if you can imagine it, there were arguments in the church. Uh, I hope he was speaking just kind of... Uh, figuratively in chapter 4 when he says that you don't get what you want and so you kill. <laughs> I, I hope that was just, you know, uh, kill with your words or something. But uh, anyway, so he has these things that he's addressing. And the title of the message series is Kudzu, Things That Take Root and Take Over. And kudzu, as we talked about last week, is a non-native plant that's been started in the uh, south and, and like in 1920 it started to really be planted a lot down there and then they discovered that it's pretty much indestructible and takes over everything and um, it covers it's currently covering about seven million acres of land in the southern states and causing destruction of forests and taking over fields covering up utility poles it takes root and takes over um, Karen and Bill Cadwallader uh, from Baseline we're in Kentucky this week, and uh, she sent me this picture yesterday. Kind of looks like an elephant stood too long over there on this side, you know. But anyway, she was she was saying if we hadn't talked about this in church last week, she wouldn't have even known what it was or noticed it or paid any attention to it. And you know, I think that's the way that it can be with thing, the things that James wrote to the church about, and. I, I called this series Kudzu because we're looking at some of the things that James is addressing in his letter and that can take root and take over in our lives and in our churches and sometimes um, without us really recognizing the damage that they do or uh, the impact that they have. And this morning uh, we're studying a passage of scripture in the first chapter of James, continuing on th through the books, book where uh, James is addressing a kudzu that is called anger. And this is our memory verse so that this week, so let's read it together. James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, 
take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. James 1, 19 and 20. So in this passage, James is addressing conflict in the church. People get angry at one another within the church, and of course, uh, if you don't practice these things at home, uh, it's more difficult to practice them in other areas of your life and in the church. The good news, I I guess, uh, for churches today is that church conflicts are not something that's new to our generation or to American churches. The early church struggled with it as well. And James is calling the church to something higher, to something better. And he's very concerned in his letter about Christian maturity and about community. And we are called to learn to live in harmony and unity of purpose in our time and our place. Um, But this can be a difficult task, can it? I mean, it's easy to, uh, good to read about it and to talk about it. But when it comes to doing the things that are necessary to fulfill it, it becomes a, a different matter. Uh, like being a part of a family. There are stresses and frustrations that come with working together, with sharing life together. And I I was thinking about this this week because, and and, you know, I I like that we're going through James and everything and talking about these things that he brings up. I just want to, you know, this is not directed at anybody today. This is, we're going through James, but... um, There are so many occasions and opportunities for us to get frustrated and upset within the church. Uh, And one of the, you know, one I was thinking, so I made this list of things. And one of the top things, of course, is change. You know, that's a spark plug. Uh, Some of us deal better with it than others, but our our natural tendency in any arena of our life is to resist change. We get comfortable with things the way that they are. And, and I think this is especially true in our culture today because it's changing so fast. We like to have a, a place where we can go and it's safe and we know that it's going to be the same and the music is going to stay the same, the order of worship is predictable, and, and no one sits in our pew, right? <laughs> We're Methodists. We, we, we have our methods and, and we have our traditions and ways that we've always done it so we get uncomfortable when things aren't done the way that we've always done them. And then we have all these personalities, right? We're all unique. We're all different. Amen? (laughs) Amen. We got extroverts and introverts. There's liberals and conservatives. We have people who like to sit quietly before worship, and we have people that like to greet everybody, even including the people that like to sit quietly. We have four generations of people mixed together that have different ideas about what real worship is and four different perspectives and sets of values. And we have men and we have women and we have children. Uh, And then there's the fact that we all have mouths, right? And sometimes we say things that hurt others, gossip and criticism and strongly stated opinions can create hurt feelings and divisions. And there's a tremendous amount of work to be done in a church, isn't there? We have a worship service every week, buildings to maintain, ministries to carry out. We have all these decisions to make that go with that, and everybody has a different, uh, different taste and preferences and opinions. And so we don't always get what we want, you know, the color of the pew cushions or the paint for the walls. And 
and who gets which chairs when and what we do with coffee stains on the carpet and we have to share resources and what about the kitchen all kinds of groups have to use the kitchen right i think every pastor has a kitchen story it just it just happens and then there's the pastor himself or herself and different expectations of what an ideal pastor does with their time. And I was reading this week that um, recent statistic that 1,500 pastors a month leave their ministries due to burnout, church conflict, or moral failure. So uh, the church has... Lots of opportunities for stress and conflict. And sometimes, you know, we blow it. Conflict happens. And yet, when the church is being the church, there is nothing like it on the face of the planet. When the church loves each other and is caring for one another, when the church is healing broken hearts of families who have lost loved ones, when the church is feeding the poor and and providing clothing for those in need, and visiting the hurting. And when the church is helping families grow up children to love God, and helping marriages to be strong and healthy, and guiding those who are far from God into a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's nothing more beautiful than that. There's nothing more needed than what the church does and is when the church is being the church at its best. And, you know, there's nothing like walking into a church on Sunday morning where people love Jesus and love each other and care about one another. It's kind of like, you know, a part of you has been missing during the week, and then you walk in, and, and it's like now everything is put back together again in here. And, and, you know, it isn't always easy to be part of a church family. But the church is worth the effort. Uh, our ma- mission as United Methodist is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's a glorious and amazing vision. And, and our mission in this church is to ignite God's love in our lives as we reach out to the world. There's nothing more important than that. And the church is Jesus' bride. Jesus loves the church. And James knows how beautiful and powerful and transforming the church can be when the church is being the church at its best. So he writes these instructions to those churches. And he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Write it down. Tuck it away. Underline it in your Bibles. Uh, Fill in the blanks on your message notes. But take note of this. Everyone, who? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Anger is like kudzu to the soul. Uh, And I love it that James gives us such clear directions right here in this passage on how to break anger's hold. Anger uh, can be a natural response when life doesn't go our way, we don't get our way. But James gives us a way to uproot it and to get free of it, whether it's in the church or in our homes or at work. And he gives us a great reason to want to do that. Because our anger does not 
fulfill the purposes of God. Our anger works contrary to the goodness that God is trying to produce in us and in his church. So we're going to take a, a few minutes and look at these instructions one at a time. First, uh, James tells us to be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Uh, and listening skills are something that we have to develop because our natural tendency is to, uh, whether we act like uh, appears that we're listening or, or not, uh, to be preparing our, our speech in our, in our head. But there are advantages to listening. And when we listen, we're more likely to know what God would have us say when it's our turn to speak. And in the notes, I've, I've listed four advantages to listening. Um, the first is we learn when we listen. Most of us would say that we love to learn. But the truth is we learn when we listen, not when we're talking. And, uh, you know, I have to listen to God for hours before I dare get up here and talk on Sunday. We learn when we listen. We have to be willing to learn uh, to listen in order to understand another per person's point of view, to gain their perspective, to gain from their experience and their knowledge. Uh, we learn when we listen. Then B, listening gives us an opportunity to practice humility. Uh, listening is a way of saying without speaking, I don't know everything. I need to hear what you have to say. And when we listen, we show others that they have value, that their opinion matters. We're not pushing our agenda to the top and have to be the center of attention, the one that knows everything. It takes humility to listen. And then listening increases empathy. When you listen to the other person, you can begin to empathize with them. And empathy dispels anger. So, so listen. Put yourself in the other person's shoes because listening increases empathy. And then the last thing, um, the, the last reason is God speaks through his people. We would all love it if God would just audibly speak to us <laughs> and tell us what to do. But he's chosen to speak to us in four primary ways today. The first is through his word. When you read his word, you hear his word. The second is through um, prayer and the Holy Spirit just speaking and pressing things on your heart. The third is through circumstances, just life circumstances. Sometimes he directs us and guide us, guides us through life circumstances. But the fourth is through people. And so we need to learn to listen to the people in the church because God, that's one of the ways that God has spoken, chose to speak to people today. Uh, he put this body of believers together on purpose and with a purpose. Everybody has different backgrounds, experiences, knowledge. And so when a church makes a decision, it's so important to, to listen to everybody <clears throat> in the church. That's why I'm, my mantra is always teams. Get a team. Listen to your team. Make a team. Work together as a team. Um, because everybody brings something to a decision. And so we need to listen to each other because that's how God speaks to us. We need to learn to be quick to listen. And then right along with that, to be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. And, and you know, the Bible gives us plenty of motivation for, for holding our tongue. Um, this verse from Proverbs was one that I memorized and lived by in college. 
Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. <laughs> the professor doesn't know how little you know if you, you know, you just don't speak. Uh, my philosophy was save it for the test, you know. But, but James tells us to be slow to speak for another reason. When, when you're slow to speak, you count to ten, you hold back whatever it is for you that you do to help you to give yourself some space and evaluate what's going on inside. Um, when we're slow to speak, it keeps us from hurting others and doing damage. And, and I want to take a, just a minute here to look at a couple other verses right from James uh, that gives us the motivation not, uh, not to speak too quickly, to, to be slow to speak. First is from James 4.11. So it's brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, notice it's capitalized, (laughs) and the one who's able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And then from James 5, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. We need to be slow to speak words that are sharp or judgmental or complaining or critical. It's an injury to the body of Christ. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then number three, slow to become angry. We sometimes imagine that when things are out of kilter that a bit of our anger will set it all straight. Uh, but the church, in the church, anger hurts and Our witness in the world, it hurts people that we care about and our ability to fulfill our mission. And, and, you know, I love serving in this church because I think that you all get this uh, together. We're continually growing in our sense of community. The church should be a safe place where we're able to express our opinions and hold different opinions because we all know that we don't know completely, right? I mean, can we admit that? And it says in 1 Corinthians 13, right now, we see through a glass darkly. Someday we'll know completely, but right now we don't. And uh, we don't know every person's story, their history, uh, so we don't know why they do what they do or act as they do or say what they say. So we have to exercise patience and be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And if I could add to James' list, (laughs) it would be this one piece. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to forgive. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. That's 1 Corinthians 13. And, you know, we all mess up. There will be times when we aren't quick to listen. We don't hear what the other person is saying. There will be times when we speak when we shouldn't have. We complain about the way something's done, or we gossip about a brother or sister in Christ, or we say something uncalled for. There are times when we get angry and others get angry with us. And if we hold on to those, then the root of bitterness takes hold. It's kudzu of the soul. It takes root and it takes over and it keeps us from loving one another as we should and as Christ loves us. So we need to learn to seek forgiveness and offer forgiveness. And if you want to look at the bottom of your message notes there, as you think about those four steps to breaking anger's hold which of which of those do you struggle the most 
with what? Do you tend to be uh, not really listen to others? Are you quick to speak a word of criticism or complain or quick with the comeback? How would you rate yourself on the anger scale, scale 1 to 10? How willing are you to forgive others? Which one of those do you struggle the most with? We all have room to grow in this area. Um, I know I do. Forrest knows I do. (laughs) And the good news is we don't have to do this on our own. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. And he wants to grow us to maturity in Christ. He wants his church to be built up. And as we allow him to work in us, as we grow, and the church becomes, then the church becomes more and more a beautiful, transforming presence in God's word, world. As we close and you think about um, the bottom of that, your message notes and the question there, go ahead and pull out your connection card. Look at some ways to respond. <clears throat> the first is memorizing our memory verse, James 1, 19 through 20. And the second is an area I need to put James' instructions into practice more is, and then, you know, one of those quick to listen or slow to speak or whatever. And um, I didn't have room to put this week. but And then I'm forgiving someone or seeking forgiveness for something I've been angry about. God may be speaking to you about uh, some other way that you need to respond. I invite you to do that. Let's pray together. Loving God, I um, thank you for this church. I thank you for all the the blessings that it is and has been to people in this community and to each other. I thank you for your love that you've poured out on us and the marvelous way that this church loves each other, loves the community. And I And I pray for each person here and their families that, We'd be very, very aware of um, our need, God, to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. And, Father, I pray your blessing on this church and each person that we would indeed uh, paint a picture of the beauty of your kingdom and of your son, Jesus Christ, as people see us working together and ministering together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>